Let's open with a quick word of prayer. Father, we just thank you on this, I believe it's March 29th, that we can gather together. And though we can't be together in person, that we can be together virtually. We can open up the word of God. The word of God says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in our midst. So we trust, Father, that you are here and that you will speak to us from your word, that your word will bring life to our souls today, that you would encourage us and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Hey, so obviously you know this is a series on prayer, so we're going to be talking about uh, prayer. And I promised you, and uh, I think it here, here it is on the next slide, I promised you this, that uh, where we're headed is the... 12-step prayer. Okay, we're headed to this broad-based prayer time, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, we're just not there yet today. One more week of preparation before we get there. Um, and I want to ask a couple questions up front, because if, if the series is called Keys to Effective Prayer, then the first question I have, what is effective prayer? And I'm going to give you a couple not effective prayers. Uh, Matthew 15, 8 and 9 says that there's people whose worship, which would include prayer, prayer is part of worship, that their worship is in vain because they're not doing it according to God's truth. They're following principles and teachings of man. And so we certainly don't want ineffective prayer. We don't want prayer that's in vain. We don't want to be going to church and praying and reading our Bibles. Remember, uh, raise your hand <laughs> virtually. If Yes, give me a virtual hand raise or some notifications. Well, Pam can see it over there, right, Pam? Um, if you're still doing it as a family, if you're reading the Word of God together out loud as a family, and if you're praying together out loud, and raise both hands if you're also doing either a Thanksgiving journal or a prayer answer to prayer request uh, record keeping. And if you're putting stickers on your calendar, and if you're running out of stickers, well, then you'll have to order some more online because we can't deliver them to you. Drop an emoji in the comments, <laughs> like you're, if you're a sticker chart. Okay, we got a one hand from on. Joe. That means at least they're reading and praying, right? Okay, perfect. Uh, so we want to be effective in our prayer. Uh, James 4, 2 and 3. So the first one is Matthew 15, 8 and 9 that says you can have wor vain worship, vain prayer. Uh, so we want to know what effective prayer really is because we don't want to have vain. And then James 4, 2 and 3 says you can have prayer that doesn't do anything because you either don't ask or you ask and you have the wrong motives. So we want to be more like James 5, 16 that says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes much. We want to have effective, fervent prayer. That's the reason we are in this series here. And so eventually we're going to get to the 12 steps. I know I put it on the screen pretty fast, but you don't have to write it down now. Uh, we'll get to it next week. And we had a handout in our church that we gave out and it was posted on the internet. And somewhere on the church Facebook page is a li link to this whole series on prayer, the whole PowerPoint with all my personal notes and everything. So we want to have effective Fervent, broad-based, and organized prayer. Ooh, isn't that interesting? Pam likes organization. I love organization. How about having organized prayer where it's not just Steve style, where you pray whatever at the, at the moment, or you say whatever at the moment, but you have an organized prayer time. That's one of the things I like about the 12-step prayer is it causes people like me to be more organized because you're spending, say, one minute on each topic. So you praise for a minute, then you wait, then you confess, then you scripture pray, then you watch, then you intercede, then you petition, then you thanks, then you sing, then you listen, then you meditate, then you praise. And you've, you've by having that outline, you're not structured, you're not, you know, legalistically stuck in it, but it's helping you have a broad-based and organized prayer time. And within that, there's a lot of fluidity, but to have some, it's kind of interesting to have structured 
prayer time. We love our organized. prayer chalkboard. It helps us be organized in our intercession, which is only one part of the 12-step prayer. I'm gonna it's make a big a, chalkboard with a lot of people's names on it. It's a big chalkboard. I'm going to make a big um, chart that tells us the 12 steps um, because, like, Pastor Steve has them <laughs> memorized, but I need a chart up there so I can just kind of flow <laughs> through it. And But our prayer chalkboard is for our intentional intercession time. But having every one of those little components this and aspects... This is strong aspects stuff I just drank. ...is amazing. And if an hour of prayer sounds overwhelming to you, you can just practice a, a few moments on each One section. minute on each, and then it's 12 minutes. Okay, I'm dying because I just drank some kind of strong tea-type stuff and a uh, me. Don't worry. I don't really have a cough. <coughs> Either way, you're socially distanced from me. Okay, next point is we want to be not only effective, fervent, broad-based, and organized in our prayer, but we want to be persistent. If you remember the parable that I preached last year of the persistent widow, that's Luke 18. Her pleas were answered because she was persistent. And God was saying, look, I'm not a mean, wicked judge. But if the widow got her cause uh, responded to by the wicked judge because of her persistence, how much more, if we're persistent with God, will he hear and answer our prayers? So wouldn't it be persistent? And then finally, uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says to be progressively aggressively, right? Aggressively progressive. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says you ask and then you seek and then you knock. So if there's ever a time to be serious about prayer, obviously it's when all kinds of things, when the, like the Psalm we read, when the, the, the foundations of the world are falling apart, what should the believers do? Well, we need to be persistent in prayer and we need to ask and then we need to seek and then we need to knock. Notice that's progressive aggressiveness. But either way, no matter what you do, pray. By all means, pray. And what Steve and I have discovered is that it's very, very effective to be praying specifically so we've had a lot of people who have commented in and said, well, we're praying every day, but we seem like we're praying for the same things over and over and over. Well, Steve and I started challenging ourselves to really be asking the Lord how he would have us to be praying for certain things, like for our kids, for our church family, specific things in each of your lives and our kids' lives and things that are going on in our extended family. And to, and to really key in on very specific things and start praying for those specific things. And we we're just blown away by how God started answering those um, very specific prayers, things that we may not would have thought of to Which pray for Which is why it's before. good to keep a record of what you're asking for so you see yes. God's miraculous Instead results. Of just praying general, you're, you're praying and seeing dynamic things happen. And then all of a sudden our faith was built so much and it just um, makes a ripple effect, and it's just a very exciting way to pray and be partnering with God. And that persistency, you can be persistent praying and praying things over and over like the persistent widow, but, but we're loving the specific, specific side things. of it. Absolutely. All right, so let's get into the specifics of today's word. Again, this is a, a, <clears throat> a lead up to the 12-step prayer, but we're gonna be talking about uh, the four, if you're taking notes today, the four postures of prayer is what we're going to get to. Okay, we're going to get, eventually get to the four postures of effective, fervent prayer that accomplishes much. I'm going to turn around, and let you see my screen now for a little bit. Hopefully, that's clear for everybody. Uh, this was uh, this is our key verse. Okay, uh, the course, the Second Chronicles 7:14 about humble, repent, and pray is there, but this is the key verse on prayer. We seek Him to find Him. Let me read. <clears throat> 
and you can follow along and I think I can do some magic here with my laser pointer okay so you can follow along right here where I am for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare that's God's ultimate plan for us and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope that's God's plan for us then you will call upon me and come and pray to me that's why we're talking about prayer and I will listen to you. Now look what's in bold. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Back to me. So it's good to know that God has plans for you. Good plans. Plans for welfare, not for calamity. Plans to give you a future and a hope. But the idea here is that in the process of being blessed by God, we don't become independent of God. We become more dependent. We call on him and we pray to him. And then he gives us the... Conditional promise there. You will seek me and find me, here's the condition, when you search for me with all your heart. And I know we've talked about this a lot, Pam and I, about the idea of when hard times and troubles and sickness and persecution and worldwide plagues drive us into this point where we're in desperation, kind of like David, when we seek the Lord with all our hearts, that when things improve and get better, we would not go back to being independent, godless people, that we would continue to seek God with all our heart, not with half our heart, not with three quarters of our heart, not with 10% of our heart like a lot of us do. You're going to find God if you seek with him with all your heart, which the point makes then is that is the goal of prayer answered prayers? Some would say yes. I would say based on this passage, no. The goal of prayer is encountering God because you're seeking him. The byproduct is answered prayers. The byproduct of Jesus being one with the Father was everything he said and did happened. You ever wonder why that worked? I mean, I've been a Christian. I've been in ministry my whole life. And I'm always wondering why everybody I pray for doesn't get healed and everything I say and I can't stop storms. I even tried to heal a refrigerator one time. We broke a freezer and we believed it would be healed. <laughs> okay, Jesus was in tune with the Father. He was one with the Father. So as we abide in God, as we seek him with all of our hearts, the byproduct of that is going to be answered prayers. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't just, Lord, answer all my prayers. The goal is that we encounter God and we're one with him. Which is why, uh, I don't know, if you remember the POWER acronym, another series, how to have power in the Christian life, P-O-W-E-R. The P stands for pray, O, obey, W, worship, E, encounter, and R, read. Right? That's the powerful Christian life. You pray, obey, you worship, encounter, you read. But you know the equation actually goes E, how do you encounter God? Well, you pray, you read, you worship, and then you top it off with obedience. How do you encounter God? Because that's the goal. Seek his face. You pray, you talk to God, you read, he talks back to you. You worship, the proper response of someone who's been encountered by the living God. And then to prove you've been transformed, you have to follow it up with obedience. Because obedience is the final form of worship. So, point number one, we seek the Lord. Point number two, we don't just seek the Lord. David says that we are trying to seek his face, not his hands for what he's given us, but his face. And I'm going to try to read this passage to you, and I'm going to turn it around so you can see it. It's a lot of verses, but we are a biblical church. So your hope is in the scripture, not in what Steve thinks. Psalm 27, 4 through 9. And so we're, by the way, we do a daily rapid, read a psalm a day, and we just finished Psalm 12. So we'll be here eventually. One thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing, that I shall seek, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. Why will he do that? Because you're already beholding and meditate on. This is the day of trouble. We want to be concealed in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. Oh, Lord, do that. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. Now listen, here it is. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in your anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. It's a really good passage explaining the importance of if we want to be concealed and protected, we have to be in the presence of the Lord. We have to dwell in the house of the Lord. We have to seek his face, not his hands. Yes, we want God's protection and blessing. Look at the prayer of Jabez. I've taught about it before. And that's God's ultimate plan. Look at the Jeremiah passage we read. But are you willing to seek him, to find him is the goal to discover an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as you are brought into his tabernacle, as you are in his temple, as you are around his presence and protected by him. Remember that Psalm 91 that they're asking us to pray for 91 days. It talks about dwelling in the presence of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty and being protected by him in every way. Well, we have to actually do that. And then uh, David goes even further. And after you seek to him, you have to cling to him. Here's another passage. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Now, I know you can't see me on the screen at the same time. Maybe someday uh, Lee's trying to get me to go to Open Broadcast Systems, OBS, where I can have multiple screens and see me in the passage. But right now, just look at the words. Seek me earnestly. We, we have to seek God earnestly like David did. My soul thirsts for you. Is, is that really where you are? Or no, you're just kind of, nah, whatever. Hopefully God fixes this. If not, the government will. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. I'd rather not live than not have the loving kindness of God in my life. My lips shall praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied and my mouth offers praise with joyful lips for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings, Psalm 91 idea, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Hmm. Thoughts, Pam? And having um, the desire to thirst for the Lord and to seek Him, that is something that you can pray for. For the last 20 years, I have prayed and asked God to give me a hunger for His Word and a hunger to spend time with Him. And that's something we pray over our kids as well. And, and it, I hadn't always thought that that was a prayer to pray, but it's something I pray fervently now all the time. It's right there. Lord, just give me seek you earnestly, thirst for you, yearn for you. For you and your word. It's good. And God has answered that because you know my wife has a passion for God's word. Uh, okay, so thoughts on this. Uh, number one, it says in a dry and weary land. Uh, it's interesting that it says that in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That um, that That seems like here, uh, Eastern Washington, hmm. a desert, 
That's where you live. So in the desert that you live. But it could also mean America, right? In a spiritual sense. We are in a dry and weary land. A land that flowed with milk and honey as we came here to set apart our nation as a nation to love and serve God in all true freedom. And over the years as we've walked away, everybody has their opinion on how far America has apostatized from their following of the Lord. But either way, it seems like it's a dry and weary land. Maybe... Right now with the coronavirus, it seems like a dry and weary land where all you hear about is the plague increasing and people getting it. And praise God, we have good reports of people not getting it and people being recovered from it. Uh, Sometimes your job or lack of job, your marriage and your struggle in your marriage, your outlook on life, these can all feel like a dry and weary land. So where is the answer? The answer is clinging to the Lord. He's called the fountain of living water in Jeremiah. And he says that... Our tendency, Jeremiah 2.13, our tendency is to forsake him, the fountain of living water, and go after our own dry wells that we dig. Human nature. And something that our son Jeremiah taught me was that um, if you're feeling dry or weary in your relationship with the Lord, maybe you're feeling dry in your marriage. Maybe you feel like the connection with your family is dry. Um, Jeremiah told me, said, Mom, you can have all of Jesus that you want. You can have an A-plus marriage if you want. You can have an A-plus relationship with your friends, with your church family. All those things are available to you if you seek them and you pursue them. And that challenge really changed my life. I was like, that's right. I can have all the Jesus that I want, and I'm going to go for it. And I can have the best marriage that I want, and I'm going to go for that. And I can have the best relationship with my kids and a great family, and I'm going to go for that. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to put time. I'm going to put effort into it and pray the glory and the grace of God over it for his glory as testimony and to live in that blessing. So I thank my son Jeremiah for that great word that he taught me. You can have all that you want. It's 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 up to you. It, and it that is promised in John 10:10, 10, 10, right? You want peace, you want prosperity, you want abundance, you want sanctification. That's John 10:10. 10, 10. He said that uh, the thief, the virus, Satan, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life abundantly. God's plan for you is abundant life and you can have all of Jesus that you want, but you got to follow the pattern in Matthew 11. 28 through 30, where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are, here it is, right? All of you who are weary and heavy laden, you live in a dry and weary land. Come to me, all of you who are plagued by this virus, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You might think the answer is in something else, but it's not. Your answer is in Christ and Christ alone. Okay, now here we go. Transition to the four points that you're going to try to take notes on, right? We're going to be talking about the four postures of prayer to have effective prayer. And I'm sure there's more, but these are the ones that I came up with, so bear with me. Number one, posture is humility. If you want God to hear and answer your prayers, you have to come to God in humility. That's in every passage that it talks about God hearing and answer our prayers, there's humility. So here's a couple passages that talk about that. Number one, Hosea 5.15. I will go away and return to my place. This is God talking about the nation Israel. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. 
That's that humility, that repentance. We have to acknowledge our guilt. We have to actually seek his face. We have to earn We have to get beyond cultural Christianity that is like a little sprinkled blessing on top of our lives, and we have to earnestly seek God. And then, of course, the key verse from uh, all of the prayer journals, Second Chronicles 7.14, And my people, the believers at Connell First Baptist and those who are watching online, who are called by my name, talking about the believers, not the sinners out there, us, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Look at that. There's your conditional prayer. Then, so once we pray and seek his face, not just answers to prayer, but seek him, relationship with him, and we have to repent and humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a lot about like what President Vice President Mike Pence has to say, right? Every day at the end of his speech, he says, um, it's, it's actually like a prayer of his heart, the way he says I it, agree. that we would slow the spread, protect the most vulnerable, and heal our land. That's right there. Hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's, I, I'm sure he modified that for his purposes, but that's the truth. So number one, our first posture is humility. Let me turn back here so you can see me. Sorry, I, f- I forget to do that sometimes. Uh, so that's talking about confession. Mm. I mean, again, you've got the Lord's forgiveness if you're a child of God, but confession is good for your soul, and we're told to do it. Confession, there's a humility, and there's earnestness. Sometimes I have to admit, you know, we're not earnest. We're not really devoted. We're not passionate about it. We're kind of laissez-faire about life, and oh, whatever will be, will be, and God is God. The key, that Second Chronicles passage, we have to pray, seek, and repent. We have to pray, seek, and repent, and then God will hear Forgive and heal. Hmm. And also you remember that passage in James 4, 6. It says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So your first posture in prayer is a posture of humility. We come before God in humility. Okay, what's the second posture? The second posture is faith. And let's look at that, these verses. Uh, And without faith... It is impossible to please him. That's why we have to seek him in faith. If you don't have faith, if you have doubt and disbelief, then the scripture says your prayers won't be answered. So there's a posture of faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Which then goes on to that passage I referred to earlier that was in Matthew. Here's a parallel passage in Luke. Luke 11, 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Hmm. But what if it's not? Then seek, and you will find. But what if you don't? Then knock, and it will be open to you. Progressive aggressiveness. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. We have to ask him in faith. We have to believe that the scripture says, if we ask, we'll receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we'll knock, the door will be open. It requires faith. And you might say, well, I, I, you could be like the guy in the Bible says, I believe, help my unbelief, right? I have, I have a lack of faith. It says if you cry out to God, he will increase our faith. We can ask like his disciples did. Lord, increase our faith. It might be hard to believe in this time of trouble that God is good and hears and answers prayer. But he does. James, again, who was probably the half-brother of Jesus, very clear in James 1, 5 through 8, said that we must ask in faith. It says, if you doubt and you disbelieve, then you might as well not even be praying. You're not going to get what you want. He said it. I didn't because that seems pretty tough. But we must believe that he hears and answers and we must ask in faith because doubt short circuits the power of prayer. Does it short circuit God? 
No, it short circuits our connection to God. God is still broadcasting, but our headphone has become unplugged because of doubt and disbelief, and we no longer receive the power of the energy from God. It doesn't short circuit God. It short circuits his ability to work in our lives, well, our ability to receive what he's doing because we're not changing God. So you have to have the faith to persist, like the, like the widow. But my best example in this about being persistent and seeking him in faith is old blind Bartimaeus, who I feel like sometimes right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't have an answer. This is uncharted waters, unprecedented territory. Everybody has their opinion about what we should do going forward. And I just cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And though people around me or my circumstances might shout, shut up, Steve, I cry out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says that Jesus heard Bart and came to him and said, what do you want? I'm here to help you, bro. So we've got to seek him in faith and that helps us to be persistent. So your first posture is humility, humble, confess, repent, lean into God. And then we have to have faith. We have to actually believe that we've come to the answer, that Jesus Christ is the answer. So humility and faith. And then this is an interesting one. Uh, I title it, Seek Him Always, but the posture I would say is connected. We have to be connected. You have to be connected to the vine to get the life from the vine. So here it is. Psalm 105, one through four. Speaking about seeking him always, staying connected, right? I always talk about the radio station, KHVN, staying connected. I'll explain that in a minute after I read it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Here we go in bold. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. So that's why I'm saying it's being connected because here's the idea to me is when it comes time for specific intercessory prayer or asking God to do something, uh, it's the old adage that it's easier to steer a moving vehicle. Go outside to your parked vehicle and try to steer it. Number one, the steering wheel's probably locked, but number two, even if it wasn't, the tires don't turn on the pavement very good when it's sitting still. So, but if it's already moving, then it's easier to direct it. So the idea here is if we stay continually connected with God, in other words, if you pray without ceasing, as the scripture tells us, if everything we do according to Colossians 3.17, we do as unto the Lord. If we're connected to God in every part of our life, the way we raise our kids, what we do with our entertainment, how we do our jobs, all of the activities in our life, if we can do them as unto the Lord, and if we're staying, we're praying without ceasing, we're staying connected to God, we have KHVN, K-Heaven playing in our ears, so we have this background communication going on with God, then when we actually stop and are intentional about times of intercession or petition or thanksgiving, and we're actually crying out to God for these things, there's, there's more effectiveness in it because we're already connected. The vehicle's already moving, and so we already have this power flow going through us as we're connected with God. That's why it's so important to start your morning with Jesus. I like to end the day with the Lord, with worship music or the Word, and very first thing when I open my eyes, worship music, um, scripture because then the car started driving with um, the Lord steering so it's more easy to just flow in and out of the day all day long being continual um, with the Lord and like Steve was saying um, if we do everything in the day as unto the Lord our our everything our time spent with our family our entertainment our our words our activities if everything we do is as unto him 
then that's like... It's a good way to gu guide what we should be doing, right? If you can't do it under the Lord, don't do it. Yes. And then, so you have to think about that. Like, well, I'm ready to gossip. Well, can I gossip as unto the Lord? I'm ready to yell at my wife. <laughs> can you <laughs> can yell at me, Maybe honey, if her safety is at stake if she's about to step in front of the car. <laughs> I'm about to watch a movie that maybe isn't edifying. Can I do that as unto the Lord? It's also a good little check um, to be seeing what we're doing as unto the Lord and as we live continually through Him, for Him throughout the day. So, uh, first posture is humility. Second posture is faith. Third posture is connected, right? We're already connected. And so what is our fourth posture? I'm going to call it guardian. That doesn't sound like a posture, but it is, right? The, the defensive, aggressive posture of a guardian. Here's your passage. Uh, this passage we read earlier, Ezekiel 22:30 in a previous week. Uh, verse 30, I searched for a man or woman among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me. Oh, that's just an interesting picture that gives me. I just I see it so clearly, especially with the whole Nehemiah thing. And stand in the gap before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. May this never be in our time. May we be the guardians who are standing on the wall and watching. So the fourth posture is the posture of a guardian or a warrior. Um, very important here that we be the watchman on the wall, that we be those who would build up the wall that's the protective hedge around our nation. Stand in the gap before me for the land, for our families, for our own communities, for our churches, for our kids, for our schools, so that he doesn't say what he found out in Ezekiel when they, they were in, they ended up being destroyed because no one was there. And there may be a person placed in your life that you are the only one in the whole world praying for that person. Hmm. God may have divinely put you in a place or a situation where there is someone that you're their only prayer person, the only one. I mean, I can't imagine not having people. I'm so thankful for the people that pray for me and our marriage and our family and our church family and our kids. And it's such a blessing to me. But can you imagine what if you're the only one that's praying for a particular person? That's a huge call on your life and, and, an, and, an, and a call to answer to. Absolutely. And in fact, when we were, I might play it for you later. I didn't have it ready for today because I didn't think about it. Uh, but uh, we played that song yesterday in our daily rapid, read us all day devotional, Where a Lord of the Righteous that we had collaborated on with Matt Molnar. Well, there was another one that we did that was called Who Will Stand Up? From this passage right here, who will stand up for Jehovah? Who will stand up for the Lord of Lords? Who will stand up and be counted? who will stand in the gap and pray. And then the second line is the same words, but instead of who will, it's will you. And then the third verse is that declaration. I will stand up for Jehovah. I will stand up and be counted. I will stand up for the Lord of Lords. I will stand in the gap and pray. And, and pray. So that's that, that question here. Who's going to stand up? And we have to answer it. That I will be the one who will stand up and pray. Not on my watch, we should say, right? Uh, someone texted me the emoji of that, the, the gif or the gif, I don't know, of uh, Gandalf the Grey standing there on the, the, you know, on the bridge and saying, you shall not cross here, you shall not pass by, or whatever he says. And that's the idea that we would be the ones who stand up and say, this plague will not be the end of our families and our lives and our church and our children. We stand in the gap and we pray. 
and not just for physical protection. We're talking about everything, right? You need to be that same level of intensity and contention for the souls of your ch children and your friends and your loved one. Not just that their bodies are healed, but be that watchman on the wall that says, no, I'm going to not let my kids go headlong into sin. I'm not going to let them get involved in bad relationships or drugs and alcohol, or I'm not going to let them walk away from the Lord. I, Right? So often our prayers are about physical health, which is important because we live in physical bodies. I understand that. But there's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to drag people's souls to hell, the people you love. Stand and be a guardian and intercede for them. There's a verse in the book of Acts that I love. It talks about how we were specifically put in a specific place on this earth at this specific time for a reason. The place where you live, the place where you work, the place where your life is intersecting with other people. And God divinely puts you in that place on this earth for such purpose and reason. And guess what? You may be in a place or, or around other people that Steve and I will never meet. That's right. The, the people at your workplace, I may never meet that person. I will never get to pray for that person. I will never be an influence in their life. Steve will never be an influence in their life or pray for him. He will never Unless you share this video with him. <laughs> but <laughs> God put you in that place for a specific reason, for that purpose, that intention. And it's just so good to be aware. I think a lot of... Um, just being a guardian is being aware, being really willing to look into the spirit realm and ask the Lord, what is it that you have for me in this place at this time right mm -hmm. now? Who mm -hmm. is it for? Who am I to be praying for that I may be the only That's one? That's the idea of a watchman influence. on the wall, looking out and trying to see what trouble is coming and then praying against that specific thing. The, the, the watchman, you know, the, the actual picture of a watchman is someone who sat on the walls and waited to see where the enemy was and then warned the people of what was coming. And so we need to be specifically asking God, who are we to be praying for? Who are we to be talking to? Who are we to be ministering to as we are the watchman on the wall? That's So those are your four uh, components, the four postures of prayer, uh, humility, uh, faith, uh, connected, and guardian. And that's going to go in line with what we're going to talk about next week. I'll flip back there just so you have it. The 12 components of prayer, these are not, again, this is not comprehensive. This is just a good outline. I, yes, like Pam says, I've memorized it and we've used this on and off for years. We've been given handouts and I've been talking about this as long as I've been doing ministry. This, you know, you go back to my early days of preaching and I taught this same thing because it allows us to have broad-based prayer. It allows us to be effective prayer. It allows our prayer to be organized. And, and, and who, what, who wouldn't want to grow in the ability to pray? So just remember, praise, waiting, confession, scripture prayer, watching, intercession, petition, thanksgiving, singing, listening, meditation, praise. Take a screenshot of that right now. Chink! And think about it this week, because we're going to be talking about this next week, the components. And it might take two weeks to go on it. I don't know how long it'll take. But we're going to be talking about the 12 components of the 12-step prayer next week. The first time I saw that 12-step prayer, I was kind of freaked out. I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of components, and exhorted is intimidating. And then we just started practicing, like 30 seconds on each one, one minute on each one, and our prayer lives completely just exploded, like in such a dynamic way. There are so many more components to seeking the Lord and spending time with him than just asking for things or interceding. And so um, we're just going to challenge you as we go forward with this series 
to really dig in and just try. I mean, maybe it's 10 seconds, but you're gonna see God do crazy cool things and teach your kids how to do this. For them to learn how to do this now is just like incredible. And one interesting thing to note, watch this. So there's 12, okay, here's one. Waiting is silent. Watching is silent. Listening is silent and meditation is silent. Now we won't do uh, fractions again today or math, but waiting, watching, listening, and meditation, four out of 12. I would say that's one third in my math, right? One third of your prayer time is not talking, right? We start with praise and we end with praise, but out of the other 10 now, four out of the 10, are you waiting and watching and listening and meditating Letting God speak back to you. Prayer is a two-way avenue. So we're going to close with a short time of prayer. Lord, We and we're going to do this 12-step right here. Lord, we praise you because we know that you are good. We wait on you right now. And Lord, in waiting on you, we, I realize that you are holy and I am not. So we confess that we have not sought you like we should. And we open up your word and it says in the scripture that we saw today, if we seek you, we will find you if we search with all our hearts. Help us to search with all your hearts. Now, Lord, we watch. We spend a minute just thinking, who is it that we should be praying for? Because intercession comes next. And Lord, we intercede for the most vulnerable in our community. We intercede for the older people in our church, Lord, that you will keep them from getting the virus. Yes, it's important for us young not to get it, but we would probably get over it. But for the old people, Lord, protect them. Petition. Lord, I pray for myself and my wife that we would stay healthy and especially for our daughter as well, that you would keep us from not getting this virus and you would protect everybody in the church. But petition is a time to pray for your own needs. Lord, give me wisdom on how to navigate this with my church and my family and my business. Lord, thank you that I know you are good. I know you hear my prayers. I know that you're going to see us through this and that we might even be closer to you. Singing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sing that song. I'm going to say it again. Who will stand up? For Jehovah, who will stand up for the Lord of Lords? Who will stand up and be counted? Who will stand in the gap and pray? Lord, let me be that one who stands in the gap and prays. And Lord, now I listen to you. I quiet myself to hear you speak back to me. And now I meditate. I meditate on what's happened in the last 40 minutes as we've opened up your word. What have you called me to? As you've told me to have a posture of humility and faith and connectedness and a guardian. We meditate on the challenges to be intentional about my prayer. And I conclude with praise, Lord. I praise you because you're good. And I know you'll be with us this whole week. And I know you're gonna encourage everyone here to cling to you, to trust you, to hang on to you. Amen. Amen.